Welcome, and thank you so much for joining us. I'm Sandra Ladd, and I'm the Senior Minister for First Christian Church Stillwater. We are growing a Christ-centered, compassionate church where all can connect to God's love. And we hope that in this time you experience growth. We pray that this time will help you focus and center on Christ and that in this time you will sense care and compassion. We pray that this time provide you with a deeper connection to the love of God. Grace and peace be with you. And again, we thank you so much for gifting us with your time. I have a hard time with the word hope. I feel like every time I get up here, I tell you guys something different that I struggle with. So today it's hope. Because in my mind, there's always this uncertainty like, I hope I win the lottery. I hope I get a pony for Christmas. But this idea of biblical hope is so much more certain. And in Hebrew and a lot of other languages, the word hope doesn't just mean to wish for something. It's the same as the word for expect and wait. It's something that's gonna happen, just not yet. But if you've spent your whole life thinking that hope isn't a guarantee, it can be hard to believe. Um, And if you've spent your life thinking that maybe God is waiting to make up God's mind about you. Even our hope of salvation can sometimes feel uncertain. And so as I prepared for this message, the lectionary readings um, took me on a journey that helped me find more rest in my hope, and I hope that it will do the same for you. And please stand for the reading of God's word. We'll be reading from Ephesians 1 verses 15 through 23. I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. And for this reason, I do not cease to give thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. I pray that the Lord God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him, so that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe according to the working of his great power. God put this power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he has put all things under his feet and has made him the head over all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Be seated.
we read this on Christ the King Sunday. It's a powerful description of Christ as king. And we can see in this passage that God has put Jesus at God's right hand. You know, in the last few verses, I'm, I'm struck by the verb tenses because it says, this is the work God has done. He has put Jesus on the throne. This isn't something that's gonna happen one day. This is what currently is. Jesus is currently king with all the power that comes with it. And we see this throughout the New Testament that the kingdom isn't just a future kingdom of heaven that we're gonna go off to when we die, but it's a now kingdom with Jesus on the throne. Now that makes us ask sometimes, why are things so broken if Jesus is on, my, on the throne? And if I was asked that in our Sunday school class, I would give my answer that a lot of really smart people have written a lot of books and preached a lot about sermons about that, and it's hard to understand. But what I can tell you is that the Bible describes this as a process, that things are being made right, right now. And there will be a time when all things are made right, when Christ returns, but we're kind of stuck in this in the middle phase where things are becoming more and more right. And so when Jesus speaks about the kingdom of God, he speaks about it as a now reality. And so because Jesus is king right now, we have this promise of care. And we know, and like Douglas talked about too, that from the gospels, how Jesus considered leadership. We remember the story of him washing his followers' feet to show that whoever wants to be greatest needs to be least. Jesus described himself as the good shepherd who lays his life down for his sheep. That brings me to the lectionary reading from Ezekiel 34, which feels awfully familiar. These are words that talk about the shepherd's care for his sheep. And God promises to rescue God's people from all the places they've been scattered, to gather them and bring them into their own land, to feed them on the mountains, by the watercourses and all the inhabited parts of the land, make them lie down. Sounds familiar, right? And promises to seek the lost, bring back the strayed, bind up the injured and strengthen the weak. This is the loving care promised to God's people through the work of Christ. And so we have this knowledge in mind that we're under the care of Christ the King. And so what, how do we respond? I mean, yes, we, we rest in that. But it doesn't stop there because our response is to extend that care. We're to live out the reality of God's kingdom and Christ's reign. That's how the kingdom is being made real now through the lives of Christ's followers. The last lectionary passage comes from the end of Matthew 25. It's a story Jesus told of the end times, and it's kind of a hard story. Jesus is put the, the, on the throne, and the sheep and the goats are going to appear before the Son of Man, and they'll be divided, the sheep on the right, well, this is your right, okay, the sheep on the right, and the goats on the left, and the sheep will be told they inherit the kingdom. Do you guys remember this story? Because, and I quote, I was hungry and you gave me food and I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink and I was a stranger and you welcomed me. 
I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. And then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it we saw you hungry and gave you food or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you or naked or gave you clothing? And when was it we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, truly, I tell you, just as you did to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. And then, this is the part that gets hard, he'll turn to those at his left hand and say, you that are accursed, depart from me into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels, for I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked and you did not give me clothing. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. And then they will also answer, Lord, When was it that we saw you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? Then he'll answer them, truly I tell you, just as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And that's a hard passage. That has been hard for me because it feels like maybe there's this sneak attack coming. You know, that if you spend your life Uh, worrying that you're not measuring up to God's expectation and that there's this possibility that you're going to come to the end and Jesus is going to say, no, that wasn't enough. And that maybe Jesus is waiting to snatch that promise of salvation back and send us to hell. It feels like that, and it's been used like that. And so for me, it's meant that this hope that we're promised has never fully felt certain. And so I tried today or as I was preparing to look back at this passage and say, okay, what does it actually say? Because I know what I feel like it has always said, but what does it actually say? And I got stuck on this one word, and it's righteous. Because the sheep are described as the righteous. And then I thought back to the summer, how we spent the summer in Romans, and how Paul talks about over and over again that we are the righteous And then I looked back at the passage, and the goats are not described as the people who think they're righteous, but are messing up. The righteous are the sheep. We are among the sheep. And our righteousness comes not from our actions, but from Christ. And so what is it the sheep have been doing? Well, the sheep have been caring, as the shepherd does. As we saw in the passage in Ezekiel. So this is the reign of Christ. Not just a one day things, are, things will be made right, but things are being made right through Christ's people. And I see evidence of that here. The hospital, volunteers, prison ministry, blood drive, benevolence, the Jamaica mission, grief support, make promises happen so many ways. God's people are living this out as sheep. This is our evidence of Christ as king. And that's what brings us back to Ephesians. Because at the beginning of that passage, Paul gives thanks because he has heard of what they've done. The Ephesians are living up to their calling. Now, do they know the answers to every question they might be asked? No. Can they explain their faith in complex theological terms? I guess not, because Paul was praying that they'd grow in their understanding. 
But they did know this, that their faith in Christ called them to action. And so Paul prays that they'll continue to grow. He prays that God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, would give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him. And with the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he's called you, the glory, what are the riches of the glorious inheritance among the saints, what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for those of us who believe. So this is where we are, trying to grasp these ideas, starting with our hope. And it should not feel uncertain. It's expectant. Now some days, that hope feels more solid than others, which is one of the benefits of having a faith community. Because if you're low on hope, you can show up and borrow some of someone else's. And if you're feeling unworthy of your inheritance, there are people here to remind you that the work is Christ's. And to remind you that you can be counted as one of the righteous sheep. Our hope for today is that our shepherd is caring for us. Our hope for tomorrow is that he's transforming us and helping us grow in our understanding. And our hope for the future is that we will one day receive an inheritance.